0: Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in. You are listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Science Fiction, Fantasy and Horror Podcast, episode 481, recorded on Tuesday the 4th of April 2023 at 2308-21. As usual, I faffed up the beginning of this pod and then after all the faffing mike faffing oh by the way i'm still on the sm7b shaw sm7b i haven't changed my mind about that quite yet though give it time i'll probably change my mind and go back to the shaw sm58 there is a difference in sound I don't know if it's better, I know the SM7B is easier to edit, but there's something more direct about the SM58, but enough about that. Things that I have changed my mind about, the off-topic content has its own section again, it's no longer consigned to the after show. Although, it will come after the main content. You'll be relieved to hear, so if you don't want to listen to me... I was going to say kick back and chill out, but actually it's going to be me leaning forward and moaning. Then you have that choice. Ah. Well, sorry, I just drifted off there for a moment. That was very strange. I'm sitting down again rather than standing up, and of course I'm not used to sitting down, so I'm trying not to make the chair creak. Okay, enough waffle. Let us launch straight into the show. And we'll first talk about books. There are some books on their way to me. One of them already arrived. The one that arrived was the Doctor Who Program Guide, 4th edition, by Jean-Marc Fusier. I also have Blake Seven by Trevor Hoyle, and Blake Seven the Program Guide by Tony Atwood, and Burning Chrome by William Gibson. Which gives you an idea what I have in mind for the revisits. And the last book, well, we'll get on to that very, very soon. (laughs) Before we move on, though, I don't know if you remember back a bit when I bought a large tome called The Hen book. It's on the shelf. It wasn't quite as useful as I thought it would be. It's certainly very big, though. This other book, The Doctor Who Program Guide, 4th edition, is a lot slimmer. I was expecting a tome, and when it arrived from Amazon I thought, wait a minute, I think they've sent me the wrong book, but apparently not. So I will be using that soon. I could do with a few more reference books on my library shelves. It'll save me doing quite so much googling. And it's nice to have some references at hand. But tonight we are not talking about Vintage stock 2. Tonight we are talking about a... well, I was going to say a whole lot of geek, but it's rather some geek. Let's do that now, and start off with a film that I attempted to watch, New Rose Hotel. This is a genuinely appalling film adaptation of William Gibson's sci-fi short story of the same name. The film was made in 1998. The original story was published in a magazine called Omni in 1984. Although I did occasionally buy that magazine, I actually first read it later in Gibson's Excellent Burning Chrome anthology. And we'll get on to the exact reason why I bought that book recently. The film, and the book, is about clandestine corporate headhunters trying to score this brilliant Japanese scientist from a ruthless Swiss company that features quite a bit in William Gibson's fiction, Mars biotech. Their plan is to use a beautiful honey trap played by Asia Argento. She is a prostitute in a club that the two main guys meet in. The film has unbelievably cheap production values, This is 1998, it seems like something from the early 80s. The script is creaking, and it is cast with chronically miscast good actors, none of whom understand William Gibson's cadence or style. Yes, there is a rhythm to his prose, and it should be reflected in the script. It isn't, and there is definitely a style, again, not reflected in the art direction of the film. Neither of the two male leads, though they valiantly persisted, looked or behave as I imagined the characters they were playing would look and act in the short story. We have Christopher Walken playing a character called Fox, who's a fixer, and Willem Dafoe as the point man. Christopher Walken does have a limp and walking stick. Uh, Same as the character in the short story, who was run over by a taxi once. I think it was supposed to be some kind of corporate hit. But yeah, I did not like this. It played like a straight-to-vid movie. It was absolutely cruddy. It had some untitillating lesbian exploitation shoehorned in. Abel Ferrara directed, though he is of course not solely responsible for this travesty, However, this film is so bad that it elevates his previous The Driller Killer from 1979 to Francois Truffaut-like heights. The Driller Killer is pretty good for a video nasty. This is supposed to be in a completely different category. I mean, it's not a horror, it's science fiction, but it's supposed to be... Far more sophisticated than that type of movie. It's just terrible. It is terrible. I'm guessing Abel Ferrara's professional association with Christopher Walken and Willem Dafoe might explain that casting. Yeah, I only lasted about twenty minutes. That is, though, slightly longer than what I found to be unrelentingly terrible. A film that I reviewed in 479, Absolutely Anything, with Simon Pegg. Though, the reason I lasted longer wasn't because it was a better film, it was just out of morbid curiosity. I wanted to see where this was going, how bad it actually was, which is not something I usually do. And which is why I gave up at around 20 minutes. It was like rubber-necking past a gruesome traffic accident. It was awful. The one positive, the one silver lining, is that watching those 20 minutes reminded me how much I miss William Gibson's prose and to restock my library. Which is why I ordered Burning Chrome. If you're thinking of watching New Roads Hotel from 1998, well, that's up to you, but I'd give it a miss. As with all the other screen adaptations of William Gibson's work as well, they are really bad. This one was particularly repellent, but they are all pretty bad. My suggestion then is that you just skip them all and consume the prose. Especially the early books. Neuromancer, Count Zero, Mona Lisa Overdrive, Burning Chrome. They're really good books. And if you're like me, and if you're perhaps into things like Blade Runner, The Matrix, you'll enjoy them. Although there was that... ah Adaptation on the screen that I started watching, but again, I didn't like it that much. The periphery... That was better than anything that's come before, but it's still not that good. Okay, on to something better. Luther, the Fallen Son. Yes, Idris Elba reprises his role in the double meaning titled 2023 Netflix movie continuation of the BBC crime slash horror series written by Neil Cross about a conflicted copper, a London copper with a pasha for the dark side. I've watched and re-watched and enjoyed the schlocky and really quite nasty TV series, at least twice. And now we have this spin-off in which a serial killer London city boy played by Andy Circus in a truly awful wig, leaks incriminating documents to land his pursuer, DCI John Luther, John Luther, in jail. He is now free to carry on his demented internet horror show in which he hangs, burns, and tortures loads of people until Luther pulls a favour from another maniac, escapes, teams up with his replacement, whose daughter has been kidnapped for leverage, and hunts the killer in the icy Norwegian wastelands. Luther, the Fallen Son is a more polished version of the TV series, but also less of a violent whodunit, and more of a maniac cop unleashed. I was also hoping that his murderous, brilliant, on-off girlfriend, Alice Morgan, a breakout role for actress Ruth Wilson, would return, but alas, she did not. I would say that this movie is okay, but only a little treat for fans who missed Luther because There wasn't enough fan service. That's not something I usually say. I've said it a few times. I've said it about Picard. But that is probably the last time we'll see Patrick Stewart in that role. But generally, I don't say that. I do say that here. We do see his old superintendent. And one other face from the old series. But that's it. The ending leaves an opening for more Luther. Although, after watching the movie and then writing these notes, I had a look at the ratings and they were not good. Judging by those, a sequel is probably doubtful. I don't want to pan this completely though, because I really enjoyed seeing the David Bowie loving Luther and his tank-like Volvo saloon again. I am grateful that superstar Idris Elba put in the effort for us fans, because he has loads of other offers I'm sure that he could walk straight into that would pay more than Luther, so I do appreciate the effort. Yeah, this was a bit too run-of-the-mill. It seemed even less interesting than some of the cases Luther worked on in the TV series. I know why that happens, it's because they have a shorter time in which to show a whole story. But still, I wish it had been better. But at the end of the day, like I said, at least we get to see Luther one more time. And that is, Luther, the fallen son 2023, available on Netflix. Mostly bittersweet content then this week, one terrible film and one okay film. There was something else that I intended on reviewing, but I just didn't have time to watch it, so we'll get to that in the future. But for now, that's it for the main content of the show, uh, science fiction, fantasy and horror. We are now in the off-topic section, let me chill, hopefully, and just talk to you about stuff. The Observer is a newspaper in the UK. It used to be a broadsheet newspaper, when we still had broadsheets, because broadsheets are expensive to produce. The Observer is the Sunday version of The Guardian, and it used to be my paper of choice, mainly because it was one of... The few non-right-wing papers you can buy in the UK, and you only had to buy it once a week because it was out on Sunday, it's not that cheap. And it's semi-higher brow. I've put semi-posh in the (laughs) show notes, because it does seem a bit middle class. This... Very last Sunday, I bought it for the first time in years, and to celebrate and to get some value out of the expensive £3.50 I had to pay for the rag. Here are the digest of articles I found interesting, and of course, my take on those articles. In the last pod, I panned Joe Biden over the Willow Project, because it's going to screw up the environment. And now, if you think I'm having a go at Americans too much, it's the UK's turn. It's Rishi Sunak's turn, as he signs off on North Sea oil and gas licenses that the mere exploitation of, not even end use, will blow the UK's carbon budget. Sunak! Two artists I despise Let's call them giblets and gorge, had big spreads in both the paper and the mag, celebrating their new gallery because no one else will show them. These are the same lifelong art trolls who last year proclaimed all the museums now are woke because at the moment it's all black art or women art or this art or that art. And that quote's from the Financial Times in 2021. What I like most about the coverage in The Observer is I found an unintentional put-down made by a Spanish visitor who said, I do not know their work before, but I like their colours a lot. I am a big fan of Salvador Dali. Next, Keir Starmer seems to misunderstand trans rights. Maybe he needs to take unconscious bias training again, like he did after mocking BLM. The penultimate item. Bees have emotions and may be self-aware according to What a Bee Knows, Exploring the Thoughts, Memories and Personalities of Bees by Stephen L. Buckman or Buchman? Buckman. I'm going to go with Buckman. While I am not an industrial farmer exploiting our furry little friends, I read somewhere else about how plants are probably more aware than we know, and probably feel a kind of pain. That would not surprise me. But I also have hedge cutting to do quite a lot more of it, and the lawn to mow. So, I can do without the guilt. And finally, in style, in the mag. Bomber jackets for men are in again. The editor's choice was a chap dressed head to foot in clothes I already own. Only he's a lot younger and a lot better looking. Those clothes included a baggy MA2 knock-off flight jacket, which is a look I've been trying to ditch for years. That is my take on a digest of articles in the latest Observer. Judging by how many were left on the shelf on Sunday, I think I'm one of their very few readers. Continuing in non-genre media from stuff you can read to stuff you can watch, Northern Soul. I re-watched this 2014 film on BBC iPlayer. I don't know when I last saw it, but I looked in my show notes. I've never mentioned this before. I describe Northern Soul as Ken Loach doing Saturday Night Fever. There's even the whole thing about young men being really into Bruce Lee. Although, as a young man in the... Young man? As a boy. As a very young boy. No, I wouldn't even have known who Bruce Lee was. But later on, I was really into Bruce Lee as well. We all are. Northern Soul. where was I? Tangent. It's working class, it's northern, it's gritty, it's sweary. It follows a young man navigating crap schools, crap jobs, grime, sweat, death, love. With the help of Motown, cover-ups, record collecting... Dancing and drugs. Ricky Tomlinson looms large, but briefly, unfortunately, as the lovely greyback grandad. If only we all had grandads like Ricky Tomlinson. I don't even know my grandad. Only had a maternal grandmother still alive when I was little. Everyone else was dead. This review's taken a dark turn. Let's get back to Northern Soul to be a tiny teensy-weensy bit reductive. I found the dialogue, sometimes textbook dry exposition, on Northern Soul, reflecting, one supposes the creator Elaine Constantine's obsession with the late 60s subculture. She also wrote a book about Northern Soul. With some teenage angst thrown in, It's also a deeply nostalgic film, it has a kicking soundtrack, it has energetic dancing with twirls and high kicks, and that's the men. That is something I can appreciate as a fan of disco, which was also a similarly DJ-driven musical genre, and by that I mean that it was the record collections that were almost more important than the artists who made the music in the first place. Sort of. You know what I mean. You didn't need a live band to enjoy Northern Soul or Disco. You just needed a library of discs. Hence, Discotec. It's an okay film. It's not a bad primer on the subject. What I find interesting, though, and yeah, I get it's Northern Soul, not Southern Soul, and I'm a Londoner, but when I was growing up, and according to what I've read, this was a subculture from the late 60s, it should have slightly been in my consciousness. I'm guessing it extended into the 70s a bit as well. But I can't remember anything about the genre. Not when I was a child. Although, to be honest, the area I grew up in was, let's say, very culturally backwards. We didn't know anything about anything. Maybe I shouldn't speak for everyone in that area, but that's how I felt at the time. It was like a tiny little miserable microcosm. That's it for non-genre media. Let's talk about tech for a moment. Blockchain mail. Spam from the Crypto Bros is hotting up again at Castle Ryanstein. If you, maybe as a podcaster or a YouTuber, even occasionally talk about tech, you'll end up on some dimwit PR's pitching mailing list. I've complained about mailing lists before. Though... I'm not sure if I've complained about crypto. Well, I've complained about crypto, but not a crypto mailing list. Anyway, I got an annoying email recently that featured a photo of a very slippery looking, grinning wide boy hoping to get cash strapped schools to buy into his scheme. That is low. just mail these things out hoping you know what i'm not even sure exactly what they're hoping for what were they expecting the very fact that i used to be a techie and a tech journo as well makes it doubly unlikely that i'm going to promote whatever nonsense they're pushing i don't know why they do it i think it's just a mass mailing thing anyone vaguely associated with tech in any way whatsoever ends up on a list, and they're just hoping maybe out of a million emails they get maybe a hundred replies, and they can book up an interview or something. Man, I've had a few crypto bros trying to get on the show. How that's relevant, I don't know. I suppose that I do talk about geek stuff, I do talk about tech, but it is primarily science fiction, fantasy and horror, so yeah. If you're listening, crypto bros, don't bother. Powered by cake. Yeah, let's move on from tech to geek life. I am a wizard, powered by cake, as well as caffeine and occasional cider and occasional gin and tonic. According to a recent blood test, that is not good for my blood sugar, And I'm at risk of type 2 diabetes. Asked my mum about this, and apparently the whole family was at risk of type 2 diabetes. Mum and Dad got it under control. Now it's my turn. Who knew that being a sedentary, unfit, geek, cakeover, and yes, that is a valid food choice, could be deleterious to one's health? Well, apparently it is. I now have an appointment with a diabetic nurse, But even before that, it's probably time for me to shape up. I have something in mind to shape up, but I'm, again, not ready to talk about that. We'll see how that goes. I'll tell you one thing, though. That appointment with a diabetic nurse is in more than a month. I think it's almost two months' time. I'm not sure how serious they're taking it finally brown people in power this part of the world the uk and ireland okay look ireland it really isn't part of the uk but it's near enough and they also speak english there as well as gaelic this part of the world then is currently run by brown people brown men to be exact rishi sunak is the uk prime minister Humza Huzaf is the First Minister of Scotland, and Leo Varadkar is the Tershuk, uh, Prime Minister of Ireland. I have said before, I do not agree with some of their politics. In Rishi Sunak's case, vehemently, Sunak, your Stop the Boats campaign is disgustingly racist. It is a bloody disgrace. Stop it one day you're going to have to explain to your grandchildren why you came up with this bollocks. Even so, though, going back to the UK and Ireland being run by men who look like me, although they are younger and richer, it is hard not to see these times as anything but historic. It's not the first time I've said that. But I do think it's important to remember. I was watching, actually, um, what's his name? Hamza Huzaf being sworn in, I think, as the First Minister of Scotland. He had his parents there, and he dedicated his being there to his grandfather, who came from the Punjab. So he's a, a second generation. I'm first generation. And he was wearing a kilt, and a kind of Indian jacket, a Morgul-style jacket. He looked pretty good. It is just amazing to see. I didn't think that I would see that. Not the way the world seems to be going, moving so far to the right. It is a pity, though, that people like Sunak have embraced everything that well, people like us generally hate. It is difficult in the UK to know who to vote for. I have defaulted to the Green Party for quite a while, because I just can't stand anyone else, but doing that is almost like voting for no one at all. There never seems to be any MPs, or they never seem to have a chance to get into power. They do seem a bit more left than Labour, while Keir Starmer's driving the party to the right. I don't know. I don't want to talk about politics anymore, it's boring. Okay, we're in the after-show section. Let's talk about The Mutating Podcast. And there's the show title. Continuing the theme of mutability at the top of the show, I expect to be changing my mind about many things relating to podcasting in the coming weeks. But the one thing that you can rely on, that you can bet your bottom dot... Oh, God, I'm... ah, Sorry. American metaphor. What would be the equivalent here? You can bet on sugar? I don't know. You can rely on. There you are. The one thing you can rely on is that this podcast will continue. It will always be about science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Despite these end-of-show tangents... And I hope you'll listen. I hope you get a flavour of the UK as well from listening to this podcast. Because we are really dominated by American podcasts. Although, saying that, most of my listeners are American. So I can't really complain. People are listening. I just wish more people from here were listening. But I, uh, there was a podcast recently... I think it may have been stuff to blow your mind that talked about how if you're in a small group, other similar small groups are likely to be your biggest enemy, which might explain why I have had almost zero contact with other geek podcasters. What the hell is wrong with you guys? Come on, share the love. <laughs> Share the love? That's not even me. What am I doing? Uh, Okay. The show that you just listened to, tolerated, put up with, were a victim of, is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M A T H U R. You can find more about me or get in touch at Roy mature.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, recommend it to a friend, or mortal enemy! Mortal enemy! Mortal! Enemy! Or click on the contact or support link on the website. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. You were, again, listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Science Fiction, Fantasy and Horror Podcast, mostly, episode 481, recorded on Tuesday, the 4th of April, 2023. Hey, it was April Fool's Day, That just went by without anyone doing anything. Did you do anything for April Fool's Day? Let me know. That's it. The time at the end of the show is 23.52.43. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye. Ah, there was a lot of traffic tonight. I hope that did not get picked up by the mic. What am I doing, Stewie? I haven't pressed stop record. Oh, sorry. I'll do that now. Bye again.